Welcome to the Skeptical Auditor Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Hernan Murdoch. In this episode, we continue our conversation with Chris Ward about his experience interacting with auditors. Chris also shares some advice on how to better interact with our IT colleagues. We also talk about key certifications auditors may want to consider for career advancement. All that and more, starting now. When you think about your professional experience over the years, uh, when you think about different projects that you have worked on and interactions with auditors, uh, can you think of a project where you have had to perhaps work very closely with the auditors and how that played out? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, one I think already in our conversations that we've had in our episodes, I've, I've mentioned that, you know, in my experience when I got audited or I was a part of a project that was being audited, um, I, I would say that... You know, the experience for me was one that was really eye-opening into, uh, you know, what we were being asked to do, uh, what we were being asked to provide, um, how the auditor would communicate, who the auditor was communicating to and through. And, you know, because at, in, in the essential thing, I was doing training and consulting with this organization. And so, of course, they were asking me to come in and go, well, how does ITIL then ramp into what the audit's going to come up with? And so it was kind of, uh, it, it was a very interesting, I was almost like auditing the audit of the thing. So it was kind of uh, uh, an interesting project, all that to say. Uh, so one thing that I got out of it, though, was the fact that, uh, you know, I mentioned briefly about having that central source of truth about how in an IT organization, and this was, it will remain nameless, but it was a financial organization, a rather large financial organization, like as in $40 billion a year financial organization, a rather large IT team of 400 plus individuals that were involved in this. Wow. And, um, you know, they had customer base of about 2.5 million or more uh, people that were actually involved in this organization. And so when we looked at this, one of the biggest things that came out of it was that whole what do you know what you're doing and how you're doing it? And that question kept coming back every time we'd sit down and have a little meeting. And it was a, it was a two, a two people, a two audit team. Uh, one was dealing primarily with the IT side of things. The other was dealing with a little bit of making sure anything the IT did didn't, obviously from a financial standpoint, as you well know, um, didn't start getting over into areas it wasn't supposed to. And so we would, we'd be working together and they would ask that question, you know, the how you're doing it and, you know, the why and what's that working for. And so part of the reason why we decided to go with ITIL and to bring this in was they had done an audit on um, a previous audit from another organization that had come in and audited them on their software compliance. So it was kind of one of those things that was a requirement because of, uh, you know, utilization being a financial organization and the utilization of the software. And they noticed that there was some discrepancies. And so they said, well, we might as well bring somebody in and have, have them do an audit. Well, um, as I like to say, uh, the, the, the thing that kicked in the rest of the audit was the fact is, and you always have to use your little pinky when you say this, uh, $9 million in noncompliance on just oh, 10. Wow on 10 of the pieces of software that they were utilizing. Oh. So the good, the good news is, is that they were able to then take that report, go to the obvious, you know, the software suppliers, the, their vendors, and say, look, 
there was no ill intent. Um, it was, you know, but obviously we want to make this right. How do we get caught up and everything else? So they were able to drop it down to, I think, about a quarter of a million finally. Uh, but at the same time, it opened up their eyes to why is it important to have audit? And it opened up my eyes to say, why is it important to have not only external auditors come in? Because one of the points that this other team mentioned was you could have caught some of this if you had a consistent number one framework. And secondly, you have internal audits that you're doing on a consistent basis. So that way, the reason why it was $9 million was because it had just gone on for so long that they hadn't caught it. And so that was my introductory world of audits and, and how to use them. And uh, so I think you'd asked if my best project that I did and my worst, that was one of them. So uh, it was all in one, really good time. All in one. Wow. Okay. All in one. But 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 from what you're describing, there were lots of lessons learned, and, and that's one of the key things about any experience in life is to look at it in terms of uh, what can you learn from it and, and, and how we can look at it from a, that perspective in terms of what we may want to do again in the future or maybe not do in the future. But I think that from that perspective, very instructional. So there was some benefit to it. So when we're thinking about the auditors and their interaction, we in the profession talk quite a bit about communication skills, for example, and the importance of being respectful with the client and seeing the client as business partners, not just auditees. We used to use that expression and some auditors still use it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's being used just to describe that uh, other party, but really on an ongoing basis, we prefer to, to refer to them as audit clients. So from that perspective, then, what are some of the things that come to mind about the interaction with those individuals, those auditors? And what are some of the practices that you say, yes, you know, they they did that very well, uh, and, and I appreciate the fact that they approached things that way. And maybe you can also spend a couple of moments just telling us a little bit about what they did that was not ideal. And if you were to give them feedback, right. you'd probably say, hey, guys, uh, perhaps you want to change that approach. Well, I think probably the biggest thing uh, on a good side, you know, we'll start with the good stuff first, um, <laughs> is the fact is they did a really good job at knowing the right questions to ask and how they ask the questions. Um, I think that that's something that will always be, as you and I have kind of talked to even, you know, off, off the recording here about how the, the engagement of a person that is the auditor with the, we'll use the word, the client of the, of the audit, um, is that there, there's a natural defensive mechanism that kicks in because we, we would kiddingly say it's like someone coming in and telling, telling you your baby is ugly, you know, and, and that's how people perceive a lot of times what audit is going to be. It's the you're not doing the right stuff. You're not doing the right stuff. One of the things this audit team did that I think was amazing was they would always, you know, they would do the, the Oreo approach, right? They would do the you are really doing well at X Here's something you probably need to work on because it's going to affect things. But, but by the way, this thing over here, though, is also very good. So they did that kind of approach, which kind of, I think, broke down a little bit of the defensiveness of the client. Because, you know, there's that natural tendency to just go, but wait, no, it wasn't my fault. And we had to do it this way. And the technology right. doesn't allow us to do this. And, 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 and to break through that, it's the you're really doing a great job. This is going to right. come back and bite you if you don't get it fixed. 
and I, we have some suggestions and there's a couple of options. And by the way, you're really doing great over here. And that I think was, you know, very eye-opening. The, the the team really was super professional that came in that I was working with. And again, I was more on the outside. I was not an employee of the company, so I kind of got to sit in the side chair and kind of watch as things go. And then I would give my two cents and advice on well, technically from a ITIL perspective, this process was going to help you with this, or this uh, procedure, or this value stream is going to be important to you from a technology standpoint. And so those are things that I was able to do. Now, um, you know, I think that was the good thing. Uh, the only thing that I would say was in their case, the, the person that was, I remember I, I told you that it was a um, kind of a team and the one was more of the tech kind of guy. And uh, there was a, a lady who was the, the other part of the team and she was more of the, how does that integrate with the finance side of things? And how do we make sure we're still in compliance? with all of the rules and regulations. And when the, when they would do the meeting sometimes, I always thought, you know, she would not speak up and say, this is why we're doing it. She would just kind of sit there and let the guy that was the tech, because I think they felt like, well, no one will listen to her because she's more of the, the finance person, the finance auditor, and, you know, we're the tech team, we're the technology group. And what I found just kind of sitting in the back was I'm, you know, you're going to get pushback unless like you mentioned it even earlier, uh, Dr. Hernan, about the why, right? If they hear the why, like, look, it's, it's not like the senior leadership here, uh, and they had 12 people on the board at C-suite levels of this organization. They're not just trying to make your life miserable, IT department. They are, their hands are tied. They must do this. They cannot do that. And that's why you're going to have to make some pivots. You're going to have to make some adjustments. And, you know, you can't use that anymore. And you can't, or your, your process needs to change. And so I think that would, you know, and I don't even think that was a horrible thing. It was just like, wow, if she would have just kind of raised her hand going, by the way, guys, it's, it's because the law is the law. You can't do that that way. You can't just let that data just sit out there on a device that's not locked down because of this, you know, this rule, this regulation or whatever it is. And so I think that, you know, in my experience, that was the thing. Again, using that Oreo approach of really just, you know, saying good stuff, got to work on this and, you know, being there, but maybe a little work on the why we're doing this, why you have to do this. I think that's very helpful, and and part of that is is helping the client understand where the auditors are coming from. Because in many cases, and you were talking earlier about how the auditors have this unfortunate uh, legacy uh, that they are dealing with in many respects. So trying to demystify the profession, what they are trying to do, and so on. So explaining themselves better, I think, will help a great deal. And communication skills certainly plays a very important role in that regard. So when we're thinking about the skills and communication skills, uh, kind of Anticipating the needs of the client, too, is, is something that I'm hearing from what you're saying and something that I will always mm -hmm. encourage auditors to do, to think in terms of, well, the client is probably going to hear your question, and in their mind, they're processing it a certain way. If you can help them a little bit, that'll probably help everybody involved in this engagement. So I think that'll be a very, very good thing. So when I, as I'm thinking about your background, when I think about your uh, certifications and, and all of these things that you have accumulated over the years and your expertise, and I think about what auditors generally do in terms of 
uh, getting their uh, CIA certification, or, or if they, even if they want to become CPAs, of course, there's nothing wrong with it, uh, and, and other certifications like it. But from the different certifications that you have, which one will be, let, let's, let's take two, let's pick two. Which two would you okay. say you will encourage uh, an internal auditor to consider outside of that general realm of audit labeled certifications? Hey, look at these over here. Here are a couple that I will encourage you to explore. Yeah, uh, really easy. Obviously, I'm going to be very big on ITIL because that's, you know, mm -hmm. my uh, my world that I, I kind of roam around in, um, both as a uh, ITIL managing professional and a strategic leader, which deals a lot with digital strategy and transformation and governance and all those type of a thing. Um, I believe that that is a very important area. And I would say that your, your average everyday auditor that's going through doesn't have to go to the levels that I obviously have gone to and, you know, getting up to those top tier levels. But I do believe that having the, um, the ITIL 4 foundation, which is that, you know, entry level 30,000 foot view of ITIL service value system, the four dimensions, uh, guiding principles, the, you know, management practices and all those things that we have, the service value chain, that would be great. I think that that would be super helpful. Um, there is one upper level one called the ITIL strategist, which is direct plan and improve. A lot of governance in that, a lot of how do we improve. And so by learning how, uh, you know, an IT organization is approaching continual improvement, we'll also then just tie into, well, the auditor is, that's our, that's our heart. That's our drive, right? We want to help you improve so that way you can, you know, be successful. That's why you're bringing us in. Um, so I would say that that was the that's the first area. Uh, the second one is going to be one that hasn't gotten a lot of traction, but I think is a very good certification, and that is COBIT, uh, Controlled Objectives in IT. Uh, that's where we're starting to run into the realm of you know what we kiddingly call EGIT, right? Uh, Enterprise Governance in IT. And so how you apply governance in the world of IT comes down to, uh, currently it's a COVID-19, uh, uh, 20, yeah, 2019, excuse me, <laughs> COVID and COVID. Getting really close there. I just wanted to throw that one in. Uh, you know, <laughs> well, I know that it, at oh, one goodness. point they had... At one point, it was COVID 4.1 and COVID 5. So then they used a, a, a year a label for the particular version of it. So, so I, I appreciate what you're doing in terms of trying to explain and clarify and, of course, how we use it exactly. in every language. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate that, you know, they happened to, they did that obviously before the COVID thing happened. And so it's kind of like now you're looking back and go, wow, then maybe we could have done something different. But I'm not on the uh, the governing board of of, of ISACA, uh, who runs uh, the COBIT uh, certification. So, you know, I, I think that's okay. But I would say that that is, uh, Dr. Hernan, a very good certification because it's not, I don't think it, it would be too outside of their uh, wheelhouse, as we would say. Uh, a lot of what's in that certification, they're already, if they're getting their CIA or if they're, if they're working in the world of audit, they're going to be very familiar with risk, strategy, implementation, regulation, uh, pop the difference between policy control and guidelines. You know, these are things that they're already learning and they know from their you know, audit certification. And so I think a COVID 2019 cert 
would be something that would be very helpful for them because then they kind of get to step back and see, well, how does an IT department or the director of IT or a VP or a CIO, a CTO, whatever the, you know, the person running that shop is, how do they view things? Because um, a lot of times in the realm of IT, there, there is that, uh, that balance, right, that they're trying to achieve with by staying at least on, they're not on the bleeding edge of technology, but they're not so far behind that they're always trying to catch up. Well, when you do things like that, obviously, uh, when you make a big push or you update, like let's say, you know, one of the biggest ones that we've already discussed, moving from an on-premises environment to a cloud-based or a hybrid where you have some on-premises and you have some cloud-based, well, that enters you into a whole nother realm of governance and a whole nother realm of how do we make sure that we are fulfilling our obligations to certain regulations, legal precedent, or whatever that is. So that's why I would say um, ITIL for the overall, how ITs, do, you know, how do we use technology to create value for our customers? Very important. Then COVID will then take a look at that, that EGIT, right? That enterprise governance and IT view of how do we do things that way. I think both of those would be huge to any auditor, whether, you know, they're coming at it from a security or in uh, finance or any of those type of areas. Excellent. Very, very good advice. Uh, thank you very much for sharing that. So when we think about individuals who are starting out in their career, um, you, you know, we've been talking quite a bit about uh, IT and audit and, and a little bit of an, the intersection uh, sections around that, right? How Where do things intersect between IT and audit and, and how, in many cases, auditors cannot separate themselves from IT. A lot of what we do depends on computer systems and success or failure will, in many cases, come from there as well. So if you think about someone who's starting out, uh, in, in any one of these fields that are so related, what are some of the suggestions, the advice that you will give someone who is starting out? What are some of the key things they should be doing to be successful as they start their career? Just a couple of thoughts. Yeah, I think uh, a big thing will obviously be understanding the basics of how does information move through an organization from a technology standpoint. So having a basic understanding of networking, uh, you know, why certain devices are used, uh, you know, what, you know, what's the difference between a router and a firewall? Well, believe it or not, routers can do a lot of the same things that firewalls can do. They're just kind of a little bit, firewalls will get a little bit more beefy uh, kind of environment. Well, knowing that is helpful because when you're asking people to maybe purchase more equipment or they have to, they're required to have certain type of equipment or security levels in, okay, well, now you understand more of the why. And so I think that that would be good. Um, I also think um, you've, you've said it several times, and I agree. Take, and, and it doesn't have to be expensive, uh, go to a local community college and take a course on communication. Take a course on um, empathy and emotional intelligence. Um, another one that I think is something, and, and these are, and by the way, not only in just community colleges, but they've got uh, some very cool, uh, LinkedIn has some really good ones on, um, on active listening. Uh, one of the things I think that helped me uh, because I always thought of myself as a good communicator. And someone uh, once told me, no, Chris, you're really good at telling people what to do and talking to them. But the other side of the, the thing, you're, you're, you know, you're too busy talking to, and you're not listening. Okay. And I had to learn that the hard way. Um, 
you know, actually, uh, you know, finding myself asked to find other employment because I wasn't that good as a manager because I wasn't listening. I was good at telling people what to do. I just wasn't listening. So I would say that an active listening course or, a, uh, you know, even if it's just a short thing, uh, LinkedIn, uh, Udemy um, has stuff like that that's either very inexpensive or free. Uh, always, you know, free is always nice. Um, and then, of course, I think that uh, some of the things, you know, not to plug our own organization, but uh, ACI offers so much in the realm of not just how to be, uh, you know, a good auditor, but how to enhance your skill sets and how to right. do those things. And I know we offer in as part of our CPEs and programs that are out there, there's some really good stuff. And so if you're getting started, learn how to be a good communicator, learn basic technology, so that way you understand how all those things are working. And then just add that along to whatever the requirements are for you to do or become an auditor. And that would be my advice. Wonderful. Thank you very much for sharing, uh, for your generosity with your time and your insights. And to our audience as well for listening to this episode. And I think this is great. So thank you so much for that. And I'm going to have me a cup of tea and enjoy myself a little bit as I think about what a wonderful conversation we just had. A big thank you to Chris for his time and for sharing his insight with us. If you're looking for more ways to stay ahead of the curve and earn CPEs, check out Audit Pro TV On Demand, subscription learning for auditors by auditors. Visit acilearning.com slash auditprotv.